0: This is obedience in the Bible it's supposed to stem out of love for God like because God's love is so profound I'm not going to bring to God with my life the things that God despises but because of love I want to walk in His commandments and that's why the Apostle John says that God's commandments are not burdensome the reason that not burdensome is because when you love somebody, you're going to do all sorts of things that you maybe wouldn't normally do, but you do it because you love them.
1: When you love someone, you do all you can to please them. Pastor Daniel tells us in today's message that this is the same for our relationship with God. If we love him with all we are, following his commandments won't be a difficult thing. We'll want to serve him, learn all we can about him, and do all we can to be a part of his kingdom plan. After all, God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place, setting us free from sin. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19 with part one of his message, Find Refuge. Jesus is
0: all right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy 19, as we continue this study here through the Bible, through the book of Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy chapter 19 is really important. I mean, it's God's word, so of course it's important, but there's certain sections and there's certain realities that we learn about in the scriptures that are so powerful that oftentimes, at the times that we need it most, we forget it and we shouldn't, because Deuteronomy Chapter 19, it's about the finding of refuge. And I'm going to explain it to you as it comes, but all the way in the life of the children of Israel, there's this reality that God is a refuge. God is a safe place for us. And when things are going on in our world that we don't understand, when things are happening that don't make a whole lot of sense, we have to remember that God is our refuge and our strength. That God is a very present help in time of need. And what happens is when we remember who the Lord is and who he's told us that he is, then when the things that go on in our life that don't make a whole lot of sense, the righteous can flee into the arms of their savior and find peace, at least find a calm in the midst of the storm. I look at my own life and the things that I've experienced And the reality that God is a refuge is very real. It's not just like some pipe dream, but it's a very real reality for the people of God that there is a safe place for you in the midst of whatever is perplexing and trying your life and the people that you love. So let's jump right on in. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, in verse one, it says this. It says, when the Lord your God... "...has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them, and you dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourselves in the midst of your land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit that any manslayer may flee there." And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there, that he may live, whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in the past. Verse 5, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings a stroke with the ax to cut down the tree, and the head slips from its handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. Verse 6, lest the avenger of blood... While his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and kill him, though he is not deserving of death, since he has not hated the victim in times past. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you... Keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways. Then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of the city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Your eyes shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel and that it may go well with you. So now this is all about those cities of refuge. We've already seen this in the Book of Numbers, chapter thirty-five, we saw it in Deuteronomy chapter four. And we have to realize that this is a justice to protect the people in land. You have to realize that this is all going on before like today we have things like police officers in courts of law, so that if something were to go on, there are people who are there to administer an arbiter on questions of justice. But long before then, what would happen if somebody was killed in certain situation? There was the avenger of blood. It was almost like uh, families at war. You kill my brother, I kill your brother. You know, like that kind of idea. And so in certain situations, that is not a righteous thing, right? And really what's going on here is that the Lord is making provision within the land for the people of Israel that if something goes on, that somebody who inadvertently or unintentionally take someone's life, that there is a place of refuge for them so that that person will not be killed by the avenger of blood, which was the way things work. Now, you realize that Moses had already established three cities of refuge, one in Bezer, one in Ramoth, and one in Golan, for the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, if you haven't been traveling with us, you might be like, what did you just say? Let me explain it to you. So remember, when the children of Israel are leaving Egypt and they're going towards the promised land, there was these two and a half tribes who wanted to settle not on the promised land side of Jordan, but on the other side. And for those... Two and a half tribes, they set up these three cities of refuge for this situation. Now what Moses is saying is that when you go into the promised land, once you cross over the Jordan River, you need to set up more of them. So it begins in verse 1, When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them, and you dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourself, in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, I don't want you to miss in verses one and two, this reality for the children of Israel, that they are continually being reminded that it is the Lord who is cutting off those nations where they're going, and the Lord your God is giving you the land, right? And then back in verse two, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, the reason I want to tease this out for a second, is you have to realize that the children of Israel, what they're receiving is a gift from God. It's not something that they earned, and even their victories in going into this promised land and taking this land, the victories are dependent upon the gift of the Lord. And you have to realize that this reality, that the things that we have are not our own, but they're gifts from God, that's an incredible reality, and we need to grab hold of it. Because what happens is, if you start to think that the things that you have, like things like breath in your lungs, your own life, when you begin to think that they're yours to do whatever you want with, you completely miss the point of what life is really about. See, every gift and talent that you have, even the breath in your lungs and the ability to be here and hear this Bible study right now, that is a gift from God. It's not something that we put together on our own. It is what the Lord has given to us. And when you receive life and all that is within it as a gift from the Lord, you realize that our job is not to do whatever we want with our life, but our job is to say, Lord, since you have given me this gift, how would you like me to steward it? And for many of us, I think we make the mistake of believing that we own this stuff. That out my life is mine. I'll do what I want with it. That's kind of a cultural value today. I can do what I want to do with my life. But the reality is, is it's not our lives. Our life is a gift. All the most important parts of life, the essentials that keep life going, those knobs are not on our side of the wall. They're on God's. And so we have to make sure we always have this reality of all that I have and all that I am is a gift. And God is the giver of that gift. So we want to honor God with all that we are. It's like it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, for you were bought at a price And you are not your own. Therefore, glorify the Lord your God with your body and your spirit, which is the Lord's. So you have to ask yourself, are you living your life like it's yours? Or are you living your life like your life truly is? That it's the Lord's that he is entrusting to us. And because it's the Lord's life and he's entrusted it to us, we give an account for our lives, for the stewardship of our lives. The idea of a steward in the ancient culture would be a lot equivalent to if you have like a financial planner or somebody who you give money to to invest it. It's not their money, it's your money, right? And they have to give an accounting for what they did with your money. Your life and my life, it's really God's life that he's entrusted to us and we have to give an accounting for this life. And so we want to make sure that we are found to be faithful stewards. Now what's interesting here is that because the land is given to them by God, right?, then God can also make stipulations on what they're supposed to do with that land. So in this case, he says, once you go in, I'm giving you that land and I'm giving you the ability to dispossess the nations that are there. But when you go in, you need to separate these three cities for yourself. And I think it's important for you and I because if it's true that our life are not our own, but it is the Lord's and we get entrusted to us, then God can make stipulations for our lives as well. Now, oftentimes people say, well, I don't really like the stipulations that God gives I mean, like God's kind of lame, you know what I mean? It's like all the really fun things he says we can't do and all the really boring things he says do that. But the reality is, is all the things that seem to be fun, they're pleasurable for a season. But the reason God says you shouldn't be doing that is because the very things that God says that we shouldn't do are things that separate us relationally from him and separate us relationally from other people. See, we end up missing out on the relationship with him, who we truly are, and being a blessing in the world. But oftentimes we don't think through the dynamics of the things we're doing. We get self-centered, we think it's ours, and we don't worry about all of the damage that gets done by the things that we do that go against the prescriptions and the parameters that God has asked of us. Now here, as we move into verse three, these three cities are important because it says, you shall prepare roads for yourself, And divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, that the manslayer may flee there. So the reality is, is they want the territory, this promised land they're going, it's going to be divided into three parts so that no matter where this happens in the midst of their territory, someone does not have to go too far to find this city of refuge. Now, what is beautiful is that in Joshua chapter 20, verses seven and eight, we find that The children of Israel did exactly this. Listen to what it says. It says, so they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness of the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh, These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them that whoever killed the person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. So what's beautiful about these six city of refuge is that indeed the children of Israel were obedient. They set up these refuges, these havens for people who something happened so that they could be protected against the avenger of blood. Now, look what it says in verse 4. It says, And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there, that he may live, whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in the past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings a stroke, and the axe with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of those cities. So this makes provision when there is a homicide, but it wasn't intentional. There was no malice aforethought. See, when you have something, when something happens accidentally, and they give this hypothetical situation, like if you're going on out and you want to cut down a tree and you have an axe, and you're with your neighbor and you're trying to cut this tree down, all of a sudden the axe head comes on out and it hits your neighbor and your neighbor dies. Right? Which is, I mean, it's, you might say, well, that's kind of a silly case, but it was thousands of years ago. You know what I mean? But the idea here is that this person whose hand was involved in the taking of the life of his neighbor, it was not intentional. He wasn't trying to do it. There was no hatred in his heart. There was no malice aforethought. Now notice what it says in verse six, lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him, Because the way is long, and kill him, though he is not deserving of death, since he has not hated the victim in the past. Therefore I command you, saying, you shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as He swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities, for yourselves, besides these threes, less innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land. So what he's saying is that, look, these cities of refuge are meant to protect people who are not deserving of a just punishment for what's gone on because it was unintentional. But if you don't set these things up, because there is a long distance between where this thing happens and the city of refuge, then the Avenger of blood could come and catch them, and that would be unjust. Because the person didn't do anything deserving of death. Now, what's also in here, and it's beautiful, he says that, and if the Lord your God gives you even more land, I want you to set up more of them. So, you see, the idea in God's heart is, I want to protect my people from unjust murder. I want to protect them from any sort of injustice Now, what's beautiful, and I think this is so important, is that the idea of God enlarging their territory, this also comes with stipulations. Look what it says in verse nine. If you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways. See, part of the blessing of an experiencing of God comes with us living lives that are in line with the word of God. Now, I think this is very, very important because for so many of us, we love God, but our lives are not lining up with the purposes and plans of God. It's so common, somebody loves the Lord, but yet their life does not reflect the values and the ethics and the purposes and the plans of God. And each one of us, I'll be honest with you, you guys know I didn't grow up in the church. And remember when I came to know Jesus, I started reading the scriptures. I started realizing that literally everything that I did was wrong. Like without fail. Like the whole thing. The entire roster of my life was contrary to the word of God. Like the way I thought about things, the way I thought about people, the way that I acted, the things that I found myself involved in, literally all of it. And I remember being the only person that I knew who had become a Christian, right? And all the people around me didn't know Jesus. And I remember every single day I would say, what kind of person am I really going to be then? Like, if I know that God's word says that this is what we should do and how we should live, and none of my friends do it, none of the people I know do it, then what am I going to do? And then there's verses like verse 9 that really grab your heart. If you keep all these commandments and do them, I love that. Don't just hear them. Don't just memorize them, but actually live them out. Where the rubber meets the road in real life and in real time and in real situations. Notice, when you keep all God's commands and you do them, notice what happens next. To love the Lord your God. That's what God is really interested in. See, the obedience to the Lord is something that grows out of love in the same way in a relationship between two people. When there is real love, then you do those things that will bring blessings to those people who you love. Like, I always use this example. Like, if you love, let's say you're married, or let's say maybe you're not married, but you're kind of, you're checking someone out, and you're digging their chili and everything, you know, and you want to make a good impression. You know what I mean? And they say to you, listen, you know, oh, I just love love. I just love Mexican food. I mean, Mexican food, just that just makes me so happy. You know, but I'm really not into sushi. You know I mean? The raw fish thing, it's not really my thing, you know? And it's like, and it's their birthday, and you're like, and you love them, and you're trying to really, really make a great impression. You say, okay, guess what? I love you. It's your birthday. I got you sushi. What does the person think? Well, if you really love me, you know I don't eat sushi, right? I love enchiladas, you know? Enchiladas are what I love. See, when you love somebody, you want to bring them the things that bless them, right? And the reality is obedience in the Bible, it's supposed to stem out of love for God. Like, because God's love is so profound, I'm not going to bring to God with my life the things that God despises, but because of love, I want to walk in his commandments. And that's why the apostle John says that God's commandments are not burdensome. The reason that not burdensome is because when you love somebody, you're going to do all sorts of things that you maybe wouldn't normally do, but you do it because you love them. Does it make sense? Like, I'll give you a great example. My little daughter, Annabelle. My little daughter, Annabelle, is so cute, right? And Annabelle's got this thing, and she loves to pick blackberries, right? She loves to pick blackberries. Like, every time she's, here, she's like, go pick blackberries, you know? And the thing is, is you know when you're picking blackberries with a two-year-old, Right? what it means is that you're picking them and she's eating them, right? I'm not the most delicate person there. So it's like, I'm out there and we have blackberries, like some bushes in the back of our property. And so we're back there and I'm picking them. And, and I'm, I can't get them off the thing quick enough. And she's eating them. She's like, there's a juicy one. There's a juicy one. You know what I mean? And so it's like, and I'm like up there trying to get them and I'm getting all nicked up, right? But like my little Annabelle, she's eating all the blackberries. She's got blackberry juice everywhere, you know? And it's like, I don't care how many times that I get, you know, hit with a thorn. It's like, my little daughter likes eating blackberries. And I'm like, oh, you know, ruining my hands, little girl, you know. I love this little person, you know what I mean? And it's like, so I'm going to pick your blackberries. And if my hands get all nicked up, it's like, who cares? I don't lament it. I just love it because I love this little person. And it's supposed to be the same way with the Lord, Right. It's like because God's love is so extravagant, I think that's why Christians don't obey. Because you haven't allowed yourself to experience the extravagant love of God. Like you go to church enough to feel that you're growing, but not really pressing in enough that you really experience the spirit driven life. But when you experience the love of God, now all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'll t- Whatever God wants. I mean, how can you go wrong with so amazing love, so great a salvation? You know, and so I just want to encourage you because if you love him, you will walk in his ways. And if you love him, you will do the things and live out the reality of Jesus. I don't want to just encourage you to obedience. I want to encourage you to be enraptured in your relationship with the Lord. Because what I'm here to tell you is that The love that we're all searching for It's an inbred human condition That we're all searching for love The love that you're looking for Will never actually come from your spouse Or significant other It comes from the Lord And at best you will get that love Through your significant other See, my wife Lynn does not really want my love She wants God's love and Lord willing, I'm a good vehicle for God's love to reach my wife. But the thing is, is you can't give what you've never experienced.
1: Jesus is real. How do we show the amount of love we have for someone? Typically, we do things we know they'll like, even if it costs us a lot. Pastor Daniel shared today that this same love should be how we approach God. God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for our sins. So how do we show our appreciation for that? By leaning into his plan for our lives, allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us and teach us as we follow it. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing
0: things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of GS Israel Radio.
1: Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares more of the laws governing the refuge cities in Israel. These places share a great preview for us living much later than those in need. Jesus himself is our refuge city. When we're in need, we can run to the safety of his love and grace. He has already redeemed us and welcomes us no matter who we are or what we've done. His love covers us in every way. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Blueprints. Until then, may God bless.